This episode of Dirty Linen is proudly supported by Pepe Sayer Australian Cultured Butter, batch churned from single origin cream. When we were initially forecasting and predicting how things were going to go, like because Celta hasn't really hadn't really kicked off in Australia then, like we had a feeling that within like three years we'd probably be producing as much Celta as we would be beer. Um, but six months in, and we're we're producing more Celta than beer. This week on Dirty Linen, we continue to talk to people who are optimistic about all the good things that are going on. They're creating change, they're creating fun, uh, they're creating good moments. One of those people is Chris Highstead-Adams from Moondog Brewing. He works in new product development for Moondog and Fizza, which is a seltzer. Now, Chris, welcome to Dirty Linen. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. It's good to be here. Thank you. I have to say, I'm one of those people that is still a little bit sceptical about seltzer. That's fair. That's fair. My, <laughs> um, to put it into perspective, I, I'm a bit of a cocktail nonce from way back, so um, it took me a while to get my head around, but now I'm all about it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, I'd love just to hear a little bit about you and about your journey. Um, yeah, bring us up to date because I know that you worked at one of Melbourne's favourite bars, Black Pearl, for a long time. So tell us how you come to be at Moondog. Um, well, it was it was kind of a matter of necessity for me, I suppose. So um, Black Pearl, I was there for just over 10 years. Uh, we did some great things there, which was awesome. And then uh, my wife and I, we had a little boy and that kind of meant that 3 a.m. closes and getting into bed at 5 a.m. Um, wasn't something I could really do anymore. So um, I started looking around for some other jobs and, and was really stoked to see that Moondog World was opening um, up here in Preston where we are today and um, managed to come on board as part of the build team for here and the venue manager and kind of over the last uh, you know year and a bit, with everything else that's gone on, my role's changed and, and moved into this new product development stuff. Okay. So Moondog Brewing uh, is an independent brewer in Melbourne. And I have to say Moondog World is just so ace. Like it is so crazy um, but so wonderful. I would love you just to describe it, but also can you explain to me how on earth you came up with such madness? Um, I won't take full responsibility for coming up with it because that would be Josh, who's one of our founders. Um, we just wanted to come up with a, but uh, we wanted to come up with a venue that wasn't like your, your traditional craft beer venue that meant only people who really enjoyed craft beer could go there and drink. Um, we really wanted it to be, you know, we didn't want to rule them out, obviously, but we also wanted people who drink wine to be excited about it, people who drink cocktails to be excited about it. Um, people who were just looking to have a good time to be excited about it. And, um, you know, also we've, we've all got kind of young families, so something that was family appropriate as well um, was great. Uh, but, yeah, we just wanted to do something that was completely inclusive and, and just made sure that every thing that you tasted was delicious and, and also had a pretty ridiculous kind of setting as well. <laughs> well, yeah, so the setting, it, it's just, I mean, I just cannot imagine anybody walking in there for the first time and not smiling and just going, what on earth, where have I landed? So I'll try to describe it and you can correct me. It's like this massive sort of, I guess, like a massive big warehousey shed kind of space, 
but inside it there's all different levels and the feature i guess is a large lake or pool we like to call it a lagoon i'm sorry a lagoon no, that's okay. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got a tropical kind of vibe but you are in preston which is i mean and it's the back blocks of preston so it's not there's it's there's nothing else around you have to make a special trip there um so yeah it's got this sort of decorative lagoon and then it's got all these other little rooms like loungy rooms and uh, yeah, like a big bar area, elevated areas where you can sort of look over things. I mean, it's just it's just like a fun palace. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's what we were going for. But um, I suppose like you mentioned just then that like we are in in the doldrums of of Northern Preston, so we wanted to make sure it was a place that that people wanted to come back to again and again. And you know, just just having you know seventy two beer taps or whatever, or thirty six beer taps, I think it is we've got here. Um, you know, that's that's easy to kind of go in, try the beers, but having another reason to come back, whether it's just the atmosphere, whether it's like the music that's on that night, whether you've discovered that there's a pinball room here and like we've got it, that's been decked out into a full games room now. Um, we have got a, we've had a hidden tiki bar as well that was hiding around the corner that, that not many people knew about near the, the waterfall. Um, but just making sure there was reasons to come back um, and, and just always something new to discover every time you came back, whether it was, you know, a new room or a new beer that we'd released. Yeah, interesting. So tell us about new product development and, and how that works. What are you, are you always looking to develop something new? Is, is it, are you following trends? Are you trying to create new sensations? What do you do? Um, it's been, there's, there's probably a few different ways that it comes about. Um, I think the fact that, that both our venues were closed for a substantial period of time kind of um, fast-tracked a fair bit of it because um, we all had some pretty idle hands. So that's when we – it was during like, the first lockdown we started working on the, the Fizzer Ranger seltzers. Um, but then we've also got some other cool stuff that we've been working on too, like these new subscription boxes because a lot more people seem to be, you know, drinking at home and you know, not heaps of people well, – so it's not the right way to put it, but, you know, a lot of people still aren't going out as much as they used to um, in years past. So we've been doing these really cool subscription boxes where you get a couple of like brewery exclusive beers that you can only get within the boxes or in the venues. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other little bells and whistles that we throw with them and we're theming them. And so we're putting some some pretty wacky, weird beers and, and ideas into those as well. So... Let's talk about the seltzer. I guess for you know, probably some people haven't aren't really aware of it. So tell us, go back to the one hundred and one. Like, what is it? Uh, why is it a thing? Uh, boozy mineral water is probably the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> um, so it's compared to like you know your traditional RTDs that are really sugar laden or anything like that. It's it's a lot cleaner, a lot crisper. Um, in this kind of age of, of modern wellness and that as well, there's there's a few kind of perceived health benefits to it in terms of like lower calories, lower carbs, um, low gluten, all of that kind of stuff that a lot of people are interested in. Um, but what we found at the start, like we found them really boring um, <laughs> when, when we first kind of started working. Even as you talk about it, it sounds boring. It sounds super boring, doesn't it? Like when you talk about other things, whether it's like wine or cocktails, you know, you're talking about like big, bold flavours, you're talking about 
like you know incredible palette length and all of this stuff whereas this is just designed to be clean and fresh and super easy to drink um and yeah when we when we tried a lot of other products out there like during that first lockdown we were we were completely underwhelmed <laughs> by it but you know we could have gotten down by that and just kind of just run about but the way we looked at it was it, it meant there was a really great opportunity there to to come up with some more fun liquid and stuff that had a, a bit more of a pronounced profile to it. Um, so, yeah, it was a great process for us all to go through and, and really work on it. So instead of just like singular flavours, we've been doing some more like nostalgic kind of inspired ones, like one that's Tropical Crush. The easiest way to describe it is like anything that was orange when you were a kid. So, <laughs> like... Um, you think like orange icy poles or like tropical cordial, anything like that, but we've just removed all of that sugar out of it. So it finishes the, the carbonation of it really cleans it up nicely. So it's something, you know, you could go for a picnic in a park, take a six pack with you and, and very easily, you know, leave without anything left in your bag. And what is the, like, what's the alcohol element? Yeah, um, so it's a it's a brewed product, the one that we make. So we ferment it. So it, it is literally just like alcohol. Um, we we produce it exactly the same as a beer. Um, that's how we make it. There, there's some other brands out there that'll they'll mix spirits in with soda water and all of that. But you know, we're a brewery, so we figured we'd kind of stick to what we knew. <laughs> and like, who's it popular with? Um, we found it, not who we originally thought it was going to be. Um, we thought it'd be a lot of like the millennial crowd that'd be around it, which which there is. But what we've been really interested in finding, like the more booze nerds have actually been really getting into it as well. Um, one of our flavours, strawberries and cream, which sounds kind of counterintuitive to light, fresh, crisp, refreshing, bubbly liquid. Um, we've found just like all our like really... Um, good wine friends, you know, guys from Bar Liberty, some, some of the crew up at PNV are just mad for like the straws and cream stuff because it's just got such a nostalgic kind of flavour to it for them. That is really surprising to me. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> it's just when um, Robbie, one of our guys up in Sydney, told me that they were just flying through straws and cream, but it's like all soms and bartenders are all about that, which I thought would be like the, the least interesting flavour for them. Hey. Do you think it's just the way that you guys are making it that that means it's got that interest? Is it the flavours that you're choosing or is it that brewing process? Um, not to detract from our brewing team who did a, a fantastic job, but the, I suppose as part of being a seltzer is that the the base is it's, it's really neutral because um, it is like that kind of soda water, mineral water kind of feeling to it. Um, so I think definitely like the concepts behind them um we've, we've just always wanted to have a bit more fun with it instead of just putting up like a low carb lemon flavor you know it just kind of sounded really boring and not really something that, that we were interested in doing to be honest sure and so tell me about the different satisfactions between well first of all i was i just love to talk a bit about the black pearl days and what you love about about cocktails like what are the satisfactions of cocktail creation um well things taste good that's great um i'm a bit of a junkie for flavor um which is good but i i did a degree in creative advertising way back um at rmit and 
one of the things there was like you'd work on something for so long, like, you know, you'd get your brief, you'd put the campaign together and then take it to client and, you know, the feedback could be positive, it could be negative, but, you know, it could take place over the course of like six to eight weeks. But um, if I was to be really selfish about one of the, the great things about like bartending and making cocktails is you can see like a, a, an instant um, response to something you've made for someone, whether that's good or bad. Um, but you know where you stand straight away with it, which um, which I think is really, really cool. And you know straight away whether you've made someone's night better or worse. Yeah. And what about the culture of cocktail bars? Like, I mean, you mentioned that the 3 a.m. finishes were not really ideal for family life, but what kind of, um, yeah, just like, do you think that there's a different culture in cocktail bars than, let's say, in craft brew brew venues? Um, not, not from my experience. I've, I've found like both, um, for want of a better term, like scenes or, or industries are both very welcoming, I think. And just if, and there's like a really good, um, what's the word for it? Like a comradeship around it. Um, so, and like other people's successes is, is your success as well. So if people are getting into, craft cocktails or you know nerdy old classics that's great because you know people might be at another bar and you know you don't only drink at one bar do you like you, you want to go around and, and check out other bars and other drinks and that so if people like other people are getting people into these things I, I think it's only a win and it's it's the exact same thing with with beer and seltzer like if people are, are looking to explore new liquids and, and and new drinks I think it's just great yeah mm. And what about, I mean, I guess now in your role where you're doing product development, you don't have that instantaneous feedback like you had when you're making somebody a cocktail. How are you finding this process? Um, it's good. It was initially terrifying um, <laughs> <laughs> just because there's a difference between, you know, putting 90 mils of Negroni over a bar top and signing off 20,000 litres of of liquid before it goes into cans. <laughs> um, um but no, it's been great. We, we, we've kind of created our own process for making it, which involves just getting people involved like the whole way through from the start. So we're, we're testing it around amongst ourselves. You know, we're really lucky that we've got the venue here. So um, we've got all our hospitality staff that will ask them if they want to taste it and give us feedback and, and all that. Like, I, th- I don't think people really know around here how much impact they've had on the final direction of it. But just tiny little things that, like, you know, one of the bartenders might say about it will give you a, a little tweak or, or a way to tweak the recipe. But um, the, I suppose that gratification is, is a little bit different, but it's, it's really cool when you, when you walk into, like, a bottle shop or something like that and you see one of those products on, on the shelf. I think it's really cool. Um, that's something I've never really experienced up until now. Um, but, yeah, it's great. You're just kind of like, oh, that's there in the fridge now and people can buy it. How weird is that? <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, so you, obviously you're in like product um, creation, wholesaling and also hospitality with the venues. Can you talk about the different challenges in those businesses and, and, and particularly through the pandemic, like how did you manage those different areas? Yeah, um, I suppose if anything we're pretty lucky to have both of those um, like through the pandemic because, you know, if we were just hospitality, we would have been completely in the weeds um, because we, we, the guys made a pact basically to, to not lay off any full-time staff. 
which was awesome. Um, so we, we just kind of found ways to reappropriate what we did throughout our working weeks, whether that was, you know, a lot of the hospitality team and like the kitchen staff, especially we were out doing deliveries because um, we've kind of turned straight into a delivery model, whether that was just um, the beers and seltzers or whether it was food, anything like that. Um, it also kind of, we had a few guys out on the canning line in the brewery, um, all that. So it was really, really interesting. And if anything, like I think silver linings, it, it kind of gave us exposure to other areas of the business as well. Um, which you is mean like we wouldn't as, have had otherwise, yeah. You mean like as individual workers, you got to see different aspects of the business? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is always going to be good, isn't it? To have that appreciation of, um, yeah, the difference the different strands of a business. Yeah, and, and instead of just, you know, a beer coming out and, you know, it gets launched and the and the staff are just pouring it, you know, they kind of see like which tank it was made from. And, you know, it, it's just these little connections that, you know, it gives us more to talk about and more to kind of take on board with it. And, and especially if you're like, if you're on a canning run, you're there for like seven, eight hours. Um, this is before we installed our fancy new canning machine, but you're you're putting together cases upon cases and like, you know, hundreds of cases of beer. So you, it gives you a greater appreciation, definitely, <laughs> for yeah. how it's put together. Yeah, 100%. Um, one of the main conversations that I'm having with anybody working in any kind of hospitality business is staffing. And, I mean, that's amazing that you managed to hang on to all of your full-time staff, but I'm sure there are a lot of other people that make up the picture. How are you finding restaffing um, after lockdown? Um, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be naive to say we weren't struggling to find more people. Um We've, we've kind of moved to more of a model using, um, you know, like phone ordering through little like magical hockey pucks on our tables and stuff like that. So like portal ordering, um, which is something, especially like from an old school hospo perspective, we were like, that took a lot of convincing um, to get us around that. But we just kept trying to work out you know, it's like robots are taking our jobs and, and all of this kind of stuff. But, um, but the way we looked at it and, and we kind of put together our new service model was then it, it, it effectively meant that we could give better service, even though there's less people there, when, you know, you don't have to worry about a table of 10 and who's eating what and, you know, you've got to write it down and there's, you know, so much going on in your head. Um Basically, everyone can host now, which which I think is really, really cool. And it was something I wasn't expecting at the start because I, I was not, not for it. But, you know, people and, like, all our great staff who, who have come back and we're lucky enough to have back, they can do what they're best at. And that's, that's really just showing people a great time and not having to worry about, you know, taking orders or, or anything like that. They can be there answering questions about you know, the food or sharing random stories about the beer because there's plenty of those floating about. Um, but, yeah, and the way we see it, it means we can give people actually a better time. And <laughs> it's kind of made it very interesting because we, we are running on less staff, but, like, you do need more during those peak periods. But, yeah, we just kind of got to do what we can at the moment. This episode of Dirty Linen is proudly supported by Peppy Sayer Australian Cultured Butter, batch churned from single-origin cream. We're doing it for flavour. 
That's all we care about, the best tasting butter that we can make. So we see big opportunity there because majority of people that buy our butter, um, they'll be standing right next to me at the farmer's markets and go, oh, I'll buy some salted butter for my bread, but I'm making a cake. I'll go get some supermarket unsalted butter for that. And I'm like, you make a cake out of this unsalted butter, it'll change your life because it's so it's so rich and it's got its own flavor complexity and the unknown about cultured butter is as soon as you heat it up the flavors are just releasing for more information go to pepisaya.com.au you i guess didn't go down the path of advertising which you you know done a degree and you moved more into hospitality i mean why did you do that and why do you think more Australians don't follow that path? Um, I don't know. There's probably a bit of a stigma around the hospitality industry, but I in terms of like what went on in my head, um, the, the, the change, I suppose, from going into advertising when, was, when I was working at a winery called Yering Station back home um, and got to work the cellar door there and you basically just – very crudely put, you talk to people about wine all day and pour them tastings. And one thing that, even though it was it was part of the hospitality industry, the thing that really drew me to it, though, was like those stories about how it's made, the processes, any of the, the certain vineyards or the people behind them and, and sharing those stories was what really drew me to it. Um, and then I, I was drinking it at Pearl and they had a really similar kind of thing going on there with the way they talk about spirits or, or cocktails and I, I got attracted to the exact same thing there and it was a whole different new world and you know like the blinkers just kind of keep going further and further back as you're discovering all of these cool things like um around like whether it's different cocktails who made them like you can imagine the amount of different stories there are around around cocktails um there's one about i think there's like these uh the founding fathers of the states they they put together a a punch, but it was actually served in a fountain in the garden. So you can imagine how much liquid's got to be put together to, to actually make that work. And then they had someone floating about in a small rowboat actually going around ladling drinks out to all the guests. And the fact that we could access that recipe and then make a smaller serve of it for someone and tell them that story, like I found that really, really cool. And I suppose the actual lifestyle of the hospitality and and all of that around it, the other kind of fringe benefits of that lifestyle um, were just kind of second to, to that. I mean, surely you've got to get people paddling a boat around the lagoon at Moondog World, ladling out drinks to people at some point. Yeah, we'll have to get some races going on in there or something. Good beer week's coming up, so maybe we can. <laughs> I think you should. Um, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, the family-friendly hours and working in bars. You know, it's it's always a tricky one for, for people in hospitality. Do you see any solution for that, any way around combining, yeah, family life with the hours in hospitality? Yeah, I think... Um a lot of it has to do with just putting it's where you want to spend your time. Um, and that's, that's where I found initially the challenges because I'd, you know, I'd been working that gig for so long, you know, it just kind of becomes second nature. Right. Um, and, and what drives the way your life kind of, um, not how it runs day to day. Um, but you know, we yeah, get having like a family and, and trying to do, trying to balance that 
I suppose for me was, you know, you might knock off, but instead of hanging around and having two or three beers after work, I'd, I'd, you'd just go straight home and you, you, you still might only be getting that six hours sleep or, or five hours sleep, whatever it is, but you're, you're, you're getting up, you're fresher, you're, you're not hung over or anything like that. But it, it's just, you've just got to decide, I suppose, where you want to put your effort and your time. Do you think that the culture in hospitality has changed over the years that you've been involved where that is more acceptable, like, you know, people understand that your whole world might not begin and end with the bar that you're working at? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I think, and dramatically so in the last few years as well. Yeah. What What do you think's brought that on? Is it just a maturity in the industry or is it just people drawing lines in the sand? What, what, why, why would it have changed? I think it's all of that. Like it, it's, you know, I'm sure there's still people in there that are really enjoying the lifestyle, but um, I think people just kind of also enjoy spending time with each other outside of work. Um, and that's, that was kind of one, one thing that we would actually do after work is like, okay, tonight, no knockoffs. Like I'd much rather just go out with you for brunch tomorrow or something like that, you know, and actually have some daylight, have a coffee, something like that instead of just hanging around and, and whinging about the service that had just been. So just trying to <laughs> to have some more positive kind of experiences with your buddies. Yeah, that is so interesting. Mm. I think one thing... We had worked together for a very long time, so we're probably looking for something to shake things up. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it, it just seems really smart. It's like, yeah, let's still catch up. Let's still have that social time, but let's, um, let's we don't need to, yeah. Do it in the daylight. Do it in daylight, yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you reckon the pandemic was a good time for you guys overall? Uh, I would say it's a a double-edged sword. Um, Positives were that we, you know, we we had time to create a lot of really cool new stuff. Um, And, like, for me, it also meant, like, a lot of great family time. But but obviously there were some negatives there in terms of, like, laying off staff and and all of that. And, you know, financially we're still recovering. Um, but it's it's great being able to have our venues back open and having people in here now. So we're just up at 600 capacity now of what was originally, like, 720. So, like, we're pretty close. But... I think the way people who people go out now is, has definitely changed. Um, you know, I'm, it still blows my mind that I don't know if you've had a similar experience like going out. I think I went to a pub or, a, or something recently and it was just packed and it just felt so weird and unnerving because just hadn't done it for so long. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think things are on the up. I think it's good. Yeah. So are you still sensing, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of people are still, you know, getting the beer to drink at home, um, but do you feel like the people that do come out, there is still a sort of a bit of a, a reticence or a nervousness to party like they used to? I think a little bit, yeah. Um, but probably more for like like older crowds, I think. Like younger guys are just coming out. Like when we put on some of our DJ nights, um, yeah, the kids the kids love coming around. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say kids. Um like uh, a younger crew just really love coming out here and, and, and embracing what we've got on offer now. Mm. So you sound sort of cautiously optimistic. You know, what do you think there is to be optimistic about at the moment? Um, I think we've just, it's just like being able to have fun again, I think is, 
is such a big part of it. Um, I feel like the last year we were, you felt very cautious. Um, like personally, like for myself, like my, my son has cystic fibrosis. So we were, we were doubly cautious throughout all of that. Um, but then I suppose the silver lining of that is like lockdown, he's never been healthier because he hasn't been exposed to anything. So, you know, you just kind of, even though it was, we were being cautious and we were being careful. And when I was out doing deliveries for, for Moondog down in Abbotsford, um, I was based down there for like part of the first lockdown. Um, yeah, it just felt like everyone was really treading around on eggshells. Like you'd see your friends, they'd come by to pick up a six pack, but you couldn't give them a hug and all of that kind of stuff. But now you can, and it just, it's such a small thing, but I, I remember um, a buddy of mine, Matt, came to, to OG once and we were just talking to each other, but it was just like this weird dynamic because you're, you know, a metre and a half away from each other. You haven't seen each other for ages and you're having these really kind of intimate conversations, but it's outside and you've got to speak a bit louder because you're so far away from each other and, and all of that. Whereas now it's just like, hey, we can get like 10 of us together. We can get all the kids together and we can go to the park and we can actually you know, have a hug and, and talk to each other, which is great about like, um, and yeah, that, that's personally, um, I suppose in terms of like, like what we're doing at Moondog, um, like the, us, the Fizzer Seltzers have, have taken off dramatically. Like we were far out when we were initially forecasting and predicting how things were going to go, like, cause Seltzer hasn't really, hadn't really kicked off in Australia then. Like we had a feeling that within like three years, we'd probably be producing as much seltzer as we would be beer. Um, but six months in and we're, we're producing more seltzer than beer just at the moment. That's wow. only after six months. Yeah. That is really unexpected. I'm really, I'm really me. surprised. <laughs> I have, okay. I'm going to give it another go. <laughs> I'm going yeah, yeah. to try that strawberries and cream one. Is that the, is that the flavor? Okay. That's the flavor that the cool people have. I'll yeah. try that. Um, Chris, it's really full on that your son has got cystic fibrosis. I mean, that is such a severe, um, yeah, condition. Um, and, as I don't know that much about it, but I know it really affects the lungs and some people end up having lung transplants to help manage it. Is does, did, I'm, And I'm assuming that that would have put him at particular risk with COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're, um, like even now, like his team at the Children's Hospital, we don't, um, like they don't go in for, for their appointments. So it's still all done via telehealth. Wow. Um, yeah, which is really interesting, right? But, um, but yeah, again, like that, that silver lining is that even though, you know, we haven't been able to socialise as much or, or anything like that, like he has never been healthier. Like for the last year, he's effectively been off most of the meds he'd normally be on to, to kind of keep him safe from any external germs and stuff like that. So um, That's simply because of that lack of, of contact with the outside world? Is that... Is that why? Yeah, and like you know, you're not going around to parks, and you know, he's not licking pavements, and you know, going down slides face first, and all of that. <laughs> so, like, just general kid stuff. But, but um, you know, it's a, it's just a lot easier to control what he's exposed to at home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, what does how does that make you think about um, like managing his his condition or his health needs in the in the yeah in, in the future? Um, no, no, we're, we're, we're really confident 
about it. Like um, the team he's got at the Children's Hospital at ACE, um, you know, we've kind of got our heads around it now, which is, which is good as well. And um, like without delving into it too much, like, you know, we've just found our, our normal. So, and that's, you know, it's, it's very easy to, to get down about it all, but that, what's that really going to do for him? <laughs> um, we've just kind of got to, um, you know, work out the best way to, to get around all of that, but also bring up a, you know, a, a lovely child as well. <laughs> um, and, and it's not something that we, we really want to define him either. Um, you know, it should hopefully just be something he doesn't have to worry about too much. Yeah, amazing. I know that you celebrated his birthday late last week. What was Correct. it? Was it a great party? It was a great party. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the PJ masks. Are you no? But, um, <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to educate me. <laughs> it's it's like a children's show where these three kids, when they go to bed, they turn into superheroes and they save the world during the night time. Um, so we had we had a bunch of kids over and they were just messing around on the trampoline. They were all dressed up as the as the PJ masks, the heroes. Um, Caitlin, my wife, and I, we, we dressed up as a couple of the villains from, or the baddies from the show. Um, so they all took great pride in, in taking us down and doing a few stacks on on the tramp, which <laughs> uh, was pretty funny. But, um, but no, it was an absolute belter of a, of a weekend. It was really, really cool. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear it. Well, Chris, it's been fantastic to uh, yeah to hear from you, to learn more uh, about Moondog and about Fizzer-Seltzer and indeed for to get me over the line with I'm just going, getting back on the seltzer train and, and uh, giving it another ride. Yeah, if you do, like if you're into grapefruit, we've just launched a grapefruit today as well, um, the number called Pink Flamingo, which is yeah. delightful. I do like um, a bit of, of winter citrus, so, yeah, bring it on. So did everyone. Well, so did the grown-ups at the third birthday party on the weekend. It was the first one to go. So, yeah, <laughs> Love it. All good. All right. You take care. Thank you so much for the chat. No problems. You too, hon. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.